You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, episode number 86. And today, ladies, in honor of January being Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, we are going to be talking about, or I should say, I'm going to be answering eight of the most popular questions that I get asked about cervical cancer screening, aka the pap smear, the one and only lovely pap smear that each and every one of us love and look forward to doing each and every year. Now, you know I'm being facetious because most of us hate it and we put it off to the very last day. But hopefully after you learn a little bit about why it's important and the new guidelines and what it's looking for, you won't feel such in dread of having this thing called the pap smear done. So come on, let's dive in and let's listen to the answers to eight most popular questions that I get asked all the time about cervical cancer screening. Well, women, it's time for a new perspective on women's health. A time to understand that your greatest wealth is your health. A time to make self-care your number one priority. A time to recognize that good health is the only way to live your best life and do all that you can in this world. So join me on this journey where we'll explore women's health topics from a medical provider's viewpoint. Have conversations about everyday healthy lifestyle options and enjoy interviews with other well women we can all learn from. It's time to demystify women's health and learn practical ways to apply self-care to every part of our lives. This is the Well Woman Lifestyle Podcast, and I'm your host, Michelle Broad, certified women's and adult nurse practitioner, daughter, wife, mother, and all-out women's health enthusiast. So you ready to start the journey? Let's go. Well, hey there, ladies, and welcome back. So this week, I thought that I'd hit the mic and I would talk to you about cervical cancer screening because January is cervical cancer screening month. So what I did was I polled and posted in all of my social media areas, Facebook and my group, my newsletter, and just, you know, all the questions that I get usually in my practice. And I came up with 10 questions that I get asked the most that have to do with cervical cancer and the screening, otherwise known as pap smear. But we're going to get into that. So sit back. If you're at home, grab a cup of tea, coffee, smoothie, whatever's your fancy, glass of wine, if that's your thing. If you're driving, just keep on driving. If you're running with your me and your earbuds, then keep on going. But today you are going to really understand all about cervical cancer screening. And I think by the end of this, you probably can be a little bit of an expert on it yourself as well. So let's get started. So the first question is, what is cervical cancer screening? Well, cervical cancer screening is used to find changes in the cells of the cervix that could lead to cancer. And the cervix is the opening to your uterus and is located at the top of your vagina. Screening includes cervical cytology, also known as the pap test or pap smear, and for some women, testing for human papillomavirus as well. Now, I know most of us do not like going and getting our yearly paps, and I always joke that no woman ever wants to do this and usually puts it off to the very last day of the year and really dreads it. And I'm telling you, I don't like it either, but it's important And we're going to dive into why it's important. So how does cervical cancer occur? All right, someone wants to know. Cervical cancer occurs when cervical cells become abnormal and over time they grow out of control. 
The cancer cells invade deeper into the cervical tissue, and in advanced cases, cancer cells can spread to other organs of your body, such as your endometrium, your uterus, your ovaries, or those kind of things as well. Next, someone wants to know what causes cervical cancer. Well, most cases of cervical cancer are caused by infection with HPV. HPV is a virus that enters cells and can damage the organs that they come in contact with, and they can cause them to change. Some types of HPV have been linked to cervical cancer as well as cancer of the vulva, vagina, penis, anus, mouth, and throat. Types of HPV that may cause cancer are also known as high-risk HPV types. Now, there's many different genotypes of HPV. There's low risk and there's high risk. And of those high risk, we really are honing on type 16 and type 18. But those are just other things too. Next, someone wants to know, why is cervical cancer screening important? Well, because it usually takes anywhere from three to seven years for high-grade changes in cervical cancer to become, in cervical cells to become cancer. Cervical cancer screening may detect these changes before they become cancer. Women with low-grade changes can be tested more frequently to see if their cells go back to normal. Women with high-grade changes can get treatment to have the cells removed. All right, next, someone wants to know, how is cervical cancer screening done? Well, cervical cancer screening includes the pap test, like I just said, and for some women, the HPV test. Both tests use cells taken from the cervix. The screening process is simple and it's fast. You lie in the exam table, and unfortunately, we have to use the ucky thing that most women don't like called the speculum, and that's used to open the vagina. The speculum gives a clear view of the cervix and the upper vagina. Cells are then removed from the cervix with a brush or other sampling instrument. The cells usually are put into a special liquid and sent to the laboratory for testing. For a pap test, the sample is examined to see if abnormal cells are present. For an HPV test, the sample is tested for the presence of types 13 through 13 through 14 of the most common high-risk HPV types. But again, we're also looking for 16 and for 18 because those are really the ones that we know, isolated even out of the high grade, can move faster into cervical cancer. So someone else next wants to know, how often should I have cervical cancer screening and which test should I have done? Okay, how often you should have cervical cancer screening and which test you should have done depends on your age and your health history. Women aged 21 through 29 years of age should have a pap smear at least every three years and HPV testing is not recommended for that age group. And the reason is because in that age group, we're seeing a lot of low-risk HPV. And if given time on its own, the body can fight it off. So we don't want to do aggressive things when girls are that young with their cervixes. Women aged 30 to 65 should have a pap test and an HPV test, co-testing we call it, every five years. It is also acceptable to have a pap test alone every three years because they just changed the guidelines about last year. So the next, when should I stop having cervical cancer screening? You should stop having cervical cancer screening after the age after the age 65 years if you have not had a history of moderate or severe abnormal cervical cells or cancer cells and you have had either three negative pap tests in a row or two negative co-test results in a row within the past 10 years with the most recent test performed within the past 5 years. So I'm going to say that again because I get a lot of people ask me when they should stop having pap smears. Okay, so after the age of 65, if you do not have a history of moderate or severe abnormal cells or cervical cancer, 
you have had either three negative PAP tests in a row or two negative co-tests, it means a PAP and the HPV testing in a row within the past 10 years with the most recent test performed within the last five years, then you may not have PAP smears anymore after the age of 65. So then I had another lady write in and she said, if I have a hysterectomy, I've been told several things. Yes, I need, I need to have a PAP and no, I don't need to have a PAP. So do I still need to have a PAP? If you had a hysterectomy, you still may need screening. The decision is based on whether your cervix was removed, why the hysterectomy was needed, and whether you have a history of moderate or severe cervical cancer cell changes or cervical cancer. Even if your cervix is removed at the time of hysterectomy, cervical cells can still be present at the top of the vagina. If you have a history of cervical cancer or cervical cell changes, you should continue to have screening for 20 years after the time of your surgery. That answers that question. Next, are there any women who should not follow routine cervical cancer screening guidelines? And the answer is yes. Women who have a history of cervical cancer are infected with the the human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, have a weakened immune system, or who were exposed to DES before birth may require more frequent screening and should not follow these routine guidelines. Having an HPV vaccination does not change screening recommendations. Women who have been vaccinated against HPV still need to have the following screening recommendations for their age group. Next, what does it mean if I have an abnormal cervical cancer screening test result? Many women have abnormal cervical screening test results. An abnormal result does not mean that you have cancer. Remember that cervical cells change often go back to normal on their own. And if they do not, it often takes several years for even high-grade changes to become cancer. If you have an abnormal screening test result, additional testing is needed to find out whether you have high-grade changes or cancer actually are present. Sometimes only repeat testing is needed. In other cases, a colposcopy and a cervical biopsy may be recommended to find out how severe the changes really are. If the results of the follow-up test indicate high-grade changes, you may need treatment to remove the abnormal cells. You will need follow-up testing after treatment, and you will need to get regular cervical cancer screening for the fo- after the follow-up is complete. So then somebody wants to know how accurate are cervical cancer screening tests. As with any lab test, cervical cancer screening results are not always accurate. Sometimes the results show abnormal cells within the cells are normal. This is called a false positive result. Cervical cancer screening also may not detect abnormal cells when they are present. This is called a false negative result. To help prevent false negative or false positive results, you should avoid douching, having sexual intercourse, and using vaginal medications or hygiene products for two days before you go for your pap smear. You should also avoid cervical cancer screening when you have your menstrual period. So there you have it. I answered the 10, no, I think it was eight of the top questions that I just found people asking the same questions over and over and over again about pap smears. So I hope that you found that interesting. I hope it didn't get too technical for you. So again, we went over what is cervical cancer screening, the PAP test, and the co-testing of a PAP and HPV. We went over how does cervical cancer occur. It occurs when the cells start to change and move into becoming abnormal and can invade deeper into the cervical tissue. We went over what causes cervical cancer, which in today's day and age, most of the changes are happening with your cervix are because of the HPV virus. We went over why cervical cancer screening is important because it detects HPV and those changes early and can be, and if caught early and you end up do having cervical cancer, a lot of things can be done. So then we talked about how is cervical cancer screening done? 
It again, it is done through a pap smear and through HPV testing. And then we went, how often should you have a pap smear? And we talked about that and the new guidelines because it's changed recently. Those guidelines changed last year of how often you should have one. So those recommendations are purely just recommendations. You need to talk with your medical provider always to find out what and how often you as an individual should have your pap smear because you have individual things going on and based on your history, you may need those recommendations to be altered a little bit. Then we talked about when should you stop having them. We talked about if you had a hysterectomy, do you still need to get pap smears? Again, this is based on your own personal pap smear history and then what has been, it's been normal or if it's been abnormal, whether you've had HPV or you have not. We also talked about, like I just said, you know, that you need to follow your own routine. Don't base it on your friends, your mother, anybody else. You have your own routine and what you need to do as far as your pap smears are concerned. And then what does it mean if you have an abnormal pap smear? So we talked about that. And then lastly, we ended on how accurate are pap smears. And ladies, here's the thing. I get women in who come in all the time and they tell me, I go, well, when's the last time you had a pap smear? Oh, about 12 years ago when I had my last kid. Now, I know that going for your annual pap smear or now every two years or three years is not the highlight of your day. But I also tell my clients and my patients this all the time. These are screening tools that we have. So why not use them when we have when we have them? It takes five minutes. Yes, it is not fun, but it can save you a lot of hassle in the long run from cervical cancer, from a lot of other things. Okay. You can also have other things going on with your vulva or the vagina. And the only way to find that out is to actually look at it. So you do want to have it checked. Okay. So please, as as embarrassing as it may be, as you know, humiliating for a lot of people they think it is, you know, they don't like doing it, please go have your pap smear and talk to your medical provider about how often you as an individual need to be getting your pap smear. Okay. So Thanks so much for joining me here today. Again, you know, DM me over on Instagram at Wellwoman Network if you have any questions about pap smears or about HPV or come on over to Wellwoman Network 360 on Facebook and join our group and ask me any kind of questions and let me know. Um, please leave us a rating and review. You don't know how important that is. And I also want to just to end too by saying thank you so very much as I always do because I really do appreciate you listening and supporting the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast. It means a lot to us and we're really trying to grow it in a huge way this year. So anything you could do to help by sharing it with your girlfriends, leaving us a rating and review, it would greatly, greatly be appreciated. So I hope that you have a blessed week and I'll talk to you soon and bye for now. The information, including but not limited to text, graphics, images, and other material contained in the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle podcast is for educational purposes only. The purpose of the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle is to promote broad consumer understanding and knowledge of various women's health topics. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment before undertaking any new healthcare regime. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have read or heard on one of our podcasts. 